Hello there, welcome back to Temporary Fandoms. Um, we are in episode five of the four, episode something of Temporary Fandoms. 19, you in 19. Yeah, whatever. And you have been listening to uh, James Kennedy and Aaron Troy White talking through the early noughties um, period of the four. Um, Nick and I have been recording these all day, and this was my first time listening to all the four records over the last few weeks. So if I occasionally make a mistake on which album has which thing on, I really don't care. You email me. Um, I don't think you have my email address. Email me. Um, so still with us, we have James Kennedy. Hey, James. Hi. Lovely to be here. Thank you. Uh, Aaron. Good evening. Uh, Tansy. And Mike. Good evening. And obviously Nick. Yeah, I'm here. Okay, let's get cracking. Um, we, we ended episode four of the four um, with what surprised many people, my favorite four album, which was the unutterable. Um, bear in mind, this is my first listen to the entire discography. Maybe I will go back to those 80s classics and rediscover them. Um, so we left it hanging at that point. And in my head, they were going somewhere that I quite liked. And whew, let's see what happens with that. We're going straight into Are You Missing Winner? Are You Are um, Missing Winner? Are you Missing Winner? See, I've already made a mistake. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, so James... What's going on with the band at this time? Um, I'm going to ask the obligatory same lineup question. It's not the same lineup, no, no. And uh, I think what the interesting thing is here is not so much what's happening with the band, it's what's happening with the singer himself, um, Marky Smith. There's an interesting transitional period here. Uh, rather like Doctor Who, like shape-shifting, <laughs> where um, coming to the end of the, the Levitate and Marshall Sweet era, uh, era, there's a lot of stuff to talk about transfiguration and shape-shifting. And uh, particularly with the Unutterable, it sort of occupies this sort of otherworldly realm, which uh, you do see on quite a lot of Fall albums anyway, but on IR Missing Winner, that's gone. And this new figure's emerged, um, called MES and it's really really quite interesting because this is a real stripped back garage sound it's really really raw and it's not like the unutterable which is incredibly technicolor a really 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 acid drenched feel of an album this is well apparently it was recorded in a um uh, in a basement in a gym they had no money right there was i mean at this point they pretty much they'd made a bit of cash from the last album Total lineup change, and they were a bit suddenly strapped for cash, and they were on a low budget. Uh, so, I mean, was it as much of a stylistic choice to record in a rat-infested basement, or was it pure necessity? I think it's necessity. I think it's complete reemergence, and it has to happen. For me, are you on missing winner? Is the um, after what's all happened before? This is complete. This is complete ground zero. This is, which is reflected uh, in the time. I say ground zero with the. Uh, Crop dust, which um, has has a sort of um, a lot's made of Marky e. Smith's uh, peak uh, peak cognizant abilities, and uh, people say that crop dust does reference the uh, uh, destruction of the two of the, uh, the two towers or the twin towers. I could never get it right. One's the Hobbit, and one's uh, in the New York. The twin towers. The twin, twin towers. towers. Yeah, and that and that happened a couple of years later on. That no, no, that happened a couple of months later on. That, and it's um, yeah, it's. It's a, it's, it's a wonderful, wonderful album. Some of those guitar sounds that they you, you get out of it, that sort of exploded amp, 
it's yeah, it's incredible. I mean, I, I wrote down, are you on missing winner? Brackets 2001, brackets ouch, uh, was my first line. Um, I got some notes. Basically, it sounded a lot very disheveled. Um, more punky as an ethos than punk as a sound. Um, am I right in thinking that Ibis Afroman was cut and paste from a bunch of tape recordings, Nick? It sounds very plausible. I don't know, but I do have to say at this point, uh, this album is quite often cited by many Fall fans as their worst record. I don't think that, but I have heard it said a lot. And for a while, I think I, I did think that, but it's one of those records I came back to later on. I thought, no, this is actually pretty good. It's a, it's good, strong, garagey fall. It's, it's sludgy. You know, it's got, it's, it's, it's very sort of lo-fi fall, but then that, that was often the case. And uh, I think it's great. Um, Tansy, um, where are you with, with this period fall? I mean, is Are You On Missing Winner one of their, their great comebacks or is it one of their worst albums? You know, in my personal opinion, it actually isn't one of my favourites. I mean, when it comes to albums and songs that full fans tend to like, I'm a bit I'm a bit iffy in that respect. I tend to like a lot of the stuff that um people don't like. Or I tend to like a or I tend to dislike a lot of the stuff that's quite popular with the fans. So I think that album for me isn't really one of my favourites to be honest. Um I could personally see why, um, but, but, but there is generally, generally, usually dissent in this group. Um, Aaron, how are you on this sort of back to the punky, disheveled, sludgy, cut and paste, low, low budget, the fall? I mean, I think it's a, I think it's a not a popular opinion, but I think this is a return to form for the fall. Yay! Um, I think, I think they got a bit lost, and I think they got a bit lost in the nineties. Um, they started trying. I think he's just started trying a lot of styles of music that he doesn't know anything about. And I don't think he does it particularly well. I'm, I'm not going to be shy that I'm not a big fan of nineties uh, fall. And uh, but what's that? Sorry. What's that? In the, what is that him going? Oh, let's try something baggy. Let's try something a bit industrial. Or is it the fact that there are musicians coming into the band who were bringing in those sounds? Uh, I mean, you, you, you can't not be in Manchester throughout the 80s and 90s, and if you've got a revolving lineup, one of your guitarists is going to sound like he's been listening to the Inspiral Carpets. One of your drummers is going to bring something else in. Do you think, Aaron, that it's Marky Smith-led, this genre shifting, or do you think it's, it's, it's part and parcel of what happens with a band like The Fall? I mean, I think there's a mixture. I mean, from, from what I've read, he's the, he definitely has a lot of veto power. He definitely helps direct the band. And if they're doing something he doesn't like, he's not afraid to tell them that. He's not afraid to have his band record an entire album and say, no, this is a bunch of shit. Make a new one. So, that's fair. That's so, also I mean, why. So no matter what, he's always going to be behind it. Um, I think the previous, what was the one right before this, Unutterable? Mm-hmm. My favorite. I thought, I thought that one was actually pretty good. Like it felt like they were starting to re-get it, but this, I just really love the lo-fi aesthetics. I love how the... It gets, it gets in the middle of the tracks. Like I was listening to, uh, like crop dust. I think crop dust is just incredible. But like the volume just goes up and down. Like that sounds like the, <laughs> like they're 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 playing and they only have one microphone and like they they come and they go and they talk to like somebody off to the side and oh yeah yeah we're recording this and it just I don't know I I, I love it. It's got a certain charm to it. it it sounds like they're having a lot of fun, but it turns out they didn't. It turns out everybody hated it. Did, did they ever have yeah, fun, Mike? I thought it's, ever... I, it sounds like a fun album to me, but apparently it wasn't fun from what I've read. <laughs> Mike, um, is Are You On Missing Winner um, 
uh, a, is it a fun fall album for you? I mean, you've been there since the beginning. Yeah, there have been ups and there have been downs. There have, and the, uh, the fall have come in and out of my life. Uh, I've had periods where I've been obsessively going to gigs, and then periods where, because of you know things that were going on in real life, I just wasn't listening to music a great deal, especially the fall. And I actually came back to the fall around the time of our future. Uh, your future, our clutter. After like a five or six year break, so I didn't even know what had been going on. I didn't know about lineup changes or anything. So I, it was going back and listening to that. I only listened to "Are You Are Missing Winner" once, and then the second time would have when we did the uh, the immersion after Mark's death. So mm-hmm. listening to this last week was only the third time I've ever given it a proper play. I like the low fineness of it, but you know, the songs aren't great. Crop Dust is is fantastic. Um, but for me, it's just not an album that ever grabbed me. But, you know, against that, I've not really given it time, but it's, it does very little to grab my interest. Okay, okay. Um, so if this was a, for some a return to form and for some a misstep, um, surely the next one, uh, the real new fall LP, brackets, country on the clip, close brackets, um, which is... Well, almost the start of a new period, the Eleni period, I guess. If we're going to have a Brits period, we're going to have an Eleni period. Um, he sounds a bit happier. Sounds into it. He mm-hmm. sounds like this is something he's he's uh, he's he's found his mojo again. Um, for me, anyway. Um, I think Sparta FC is fucking brilliant. Um, James, and um, what's happening with the real the real? Oh God, it's such a tongue twister. This one. <laughs> Call it country on the click. That'll do. What's happening with COTC? It's it's an absolute uh, it's an absolute killer. It really, really is. I mean, they'd been um, well. I think he'd been banned from do, going into um, uh, record any uh, repeal sessions for a while because apparently there was this uh, time where he did a, ble- a breeze bot gig on Marianne Hobbs's show, and he bought just bought a load of country and western albums in and gives the needle across and everything generally caused chaos. This was in around about the time of uh, Levitate and a Marshall Street, I think. I've never heard the session. I'd love to hear it. It's meant to be utter chaos. Uh, and so well, this was the first time they did um, uh, they done Peel in absolutely ages. This is 2003, this one. And you're right, it's mm-hmm. so re- revitalised. And uh, the first track off... Um, um, of the new Peel session was Sparsh FC and you can tell the way it comes in it's one, two, three, four, fuck off do, 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 do. and it <laughs> goes in and it's going full pelt for it it's fantastic they do country flow I think they do a cover of a track called Grooving in the Flow which goes into Green Eyed Loco Man and a really 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 fast cover of Mutineers Sued Magag Ed off um, Hex I saw them in Manchester around this time. I was living there for my sins, and it was um, uh, October, and they did two nights at the beer keller, and then they did a signing at um, HMV Oxford. No, it's not Oxford. I don't know. I don't know where it is. Um, but yeah, I mean, and it was like they—it it was like they were a new band. There were so many people there. It was it was absolutely rammed. When they they came on the stage at the beer keller, it was about a good forty five minute wait while we have to listen to um, Luke forty one, which I think starts off. Um, well, it's Luke forty one hexagon. So it was just uh, two notes just going over and a bit of panda panda panda. The fall the spoken word album he did in two thousand two. 
the second spoken yeah. word album. Actually, it was a really good time to be a full fan because there were spoken word albums, there were there was a new pill session, more of which come on to later with Full Heads Roll. And uh, there was a couple of interim albums. There was an album indeed called Interim. Uh, there was a 2G plus two. There was loads of stuff going on. Um, and it really, really, and yeah, and you can tell, I, I, not as with Are You Are Missing Winner, but with real, with real new 4LP, there's hits, 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 hits. I mean, it doesn't, it starts off and it doesn't let up. It really is quite incredible. Um, is I mean, I touched on it briefly. I mean, obviously, people come and people go. Um, some people who have joined the band, and we've talked in various episodes of the pod, um, whether or not they were bricks or whether or not they were looks at whether they were bringing a keyboard along, there were certain changes that new members of the band brought. Um, uh, Tansy, um, this is when uh, uh, Eleni joined the band, and there does seem to be an element of somebody bringing something in. Um, asking you as someone who, who has joined a band that has been going for a while, um, how open would you would you say that bands like legacy acts almost uh, are to new voices? Um, how much influence would you say you can have? Uh, how much of a stamp can you make? Yeah, I mean, that's a good question. I, th I think it, it really depends on who you're working with. I mean, obviously with The Fall and Marky Smith, there was that there always was that idea of changing changing lineup and you know that idea of collaboration despite the fact that mark would you know try to take all the credit and deny the the you know the input of the other members as much as he could but i think what i've always found interesting about this period especially when eleni joins it seems like that um there seems to be a bit more democracy in terms of their contributions you know individual member contributions and one thing I've always thought about this period, so like in early 2000s, because um, we did mention before that the late 90s, 90s were a bit dodgy, <laughs> maybe, to some people. But I think when you get to the early 2000s with The Fall, you start to see a bit of a consolidation in terms of, I think, the overall sound and in terms of the um, the band. The, the band is slowly becoming a lot tighter, and you can kind of see that a bit more with later lineups, I suppose, mid 2000s and later so in my head that obviously indicates that you know mark was i suppose maybe listening a bit more to the other members or mm -hmm. you know allowing more of a a stronger contribution from the other band members and i think yeah i'm yeah i mean i'm i i in terms of being in bands personally i haven't really been in that many bands this is i think blue orchids is probably the first proper band i've been in to be honest which is quite mind-blowing considering that's where you start um, yeah. yeah i mean it's a pretty good start I'm, I'm really grateful so i mean i can only speak from my experience as well and i've only been in the in blue orchids for literally a year it's been a year so in terms of the way blue orchids work i think it is probably quite similar for because obviously martin brahma coming from that same collaborative background so it's really more about you know what what everyone can can contribute you know no one's no one's contribution is, is lesser than the others and i think you can really hear that i think with the with the later fall albums especially as you get closer to some of the albums we'll probably talk about later there was there was a really strong kind of consolidated sound which you you don't really get so much previously i think okay that, that's really good thank you um question i'm just double checking this um mike Sparta FC was the one that ended up being used for the football 
end of time results on the BBC, right? It did, did, he start, did he even get royalties from this? I mean, I, from what I read, the BBC are very careful if they truncate it just below the threshold of so many seconds, they don't pay royalties. I know Smith had mentioned it in a couple of interviews. Um, yeah, I was so far out of the loop at this point with the, the fall, I used to hear that every Saturday, and I didn't even know it was the fall. Until <laughs> oh, <wow. later. laughs> okay. This is how, how much out of the loop I was. However, this album I've listened to numerous times. Um, I was a member of the Fall On On Forum when I reconnected with the fall, and uh, we did a couple of tribute albums where various fa- fa- uh, members of the forum um we created entire albums of cover versions um, and when they announced we were doing this one you didn't know which track you were going to get so I'd listen to it a whole load trying to get work away into which one I might get given I think it's a phenomenal album uh, I think the introduction of Eleni who obviously I was a huge fan of I thought she really brought something to the band not only in adding keyboards in the game but in terms of Mark himself I think he did seem happier he seemed healthier than he had done in a long time. Uh, that didn't last very long. But uh, there was a, 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 it was like a re-energised band when she came in, in the same way that Brick, Brick's brought something to the band. I think Eleni brought just as much. Okay, fantastic. Um, um, I'm, 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 good. I'm desperately conscious of time, and with six people, I'm sure. not dwelling on each individual person as much as I would do. Um, but Nick is leaning forward and waving his hands around. So. Well, no, I just, I mean, this album in particular, if I can't say anything about any of the other albums today, I, I definitely want to talk about the the Real New Fall LP because in terms of my Fall fandom, I think it was quite an important record. Because in the previous episode, I talked about how towards the end of the 90s, my Fall, fan was drifting, fall fandom was drifting a bit in that I was happy they were there. I was still aware of the albums, but I wasn't excitedly looking forward to new releases or anything anymore. And around the time that this album came out, I just happened to have a job with a night shift and I was just, I started listening to John Peel again a lot and they started playing this new fall stuff and it totally reinvigorated my fall fandom. I really, really love this album. It's up there with the best for me. I think it's, it's a really great fall album. And, um, but also uh, James mentioned the uh, interim, uh, which has a track on it called Mod Mock Goth, which is one of my favorite fall songs from that period as well. Uh, and I think on the US release of uh, Country on the Click, that's actually on the main LP. But one other thing about this album that I think is worth mentioning is uh, there's very few great Fall covers out there. And what I mean is people, other people covering the Fall. But PJ Harvey did a great version of Janet and Johnny and Jane, which you can find on YouTube. It's worth looking up. Uh, she's It's brilliant. It's really, really good. And very few people have successfully covered the Fall, I, I don't think. Um, I mean, Pavement did it, but then that, arguably that was their entire career. <laughs> uh, they did also cover the classical. Um, pretty yeah, well. we have covered, we have we have touched upon that uh, in a previous episode. Um, Aaron, I'll come to you in a minute um, when we go on to the next album. Uh, the last album was two thousand three. We're now in two thousand five. A two year gap, um, not quite churning out in the same level that they did in the nineties, but but still pretty respectful, respectable. Um, before I come to you, James, Aaron, um, where are you on this one? I mean, for me, like. It chugs away quite nicely. It critically fair, relatively well reviewed. Marky Smith seems to drift in and out a little bit, but this is a pretty solid album, right? I think it's definitely really solid. It continues the the streak. Um, you know, Country on the Click is top five for me. Heads Roll is it's just that little step below. 
Um, I remember when we were listening to the entire discography a couple years ago, my thought was I was just waiting for this album to get bad, and it didn't. It just stayed good. Um, I love the background vocals. I think that's something they introduce in uh, Country on the Click and they keep it going here. Uh, just having other voices in the band, like like voices, voices, really uh, adds a lot to it. Um, Blindness might be my favorite fall song. Just that bass line, the restraint the band shows in Blindness. Like they're not just all jamming together, but just like the guitars, the keys, just everything just coming in at just the right moment. They they could go crazy with, but they don't. Great bass line. I think there is a good thing about the when there are female voices uh, in the late nineties and early noughties. Um, it's not like it's smooth and stylistic backing singers. For me, every so often it sounds like Banana Rama have been let into the room, <laughs> and I say that with all respect. Uh, but there's sort of a lovely Banana Rama feel to the sort of shambolic <laughs> feel of it, of it all. Um, James, um, coming over to you on this one. Um, how about this? I mean, do you, this is one of Aaron's Aaron's favorite track. Um, a blindness, I think, yeah, it chugs away with some swagger. I mean, it's pretty good. What about the rest of the album? What's happening with Marky Smith? What's his album for you? This is, um, I, I really like this one. It's my second favorite of the noughties. Um, uh, I think, and uh, just going from what I said before about when I was talking about uh, Real Need 4 LP, there was this, like, this absolutely comprehensive reissue of all the, um, or most of the Falls Back catalog on Castle Sanctuary. Um, they'd recorded their, what would be their final Peel session as well. And I remember hearing that live. I think it was the, probably the only full, full um, Peel session I heard live at the time. And it, it, it's incredible. <laughs> it's just, uh, wow. I mean, I unfortunately haven't got a copy, my own copy of the Peel sessions box myself. But um, I remember hearing Vines for the first time and just thinking, what on earth is this? This is just like one thing. Because I've been a full fan for about nine years but, uh, by that time in 2005. And they, they just seemed to be anything he'd do. I just thought, this is this is great. It's wonderful. I met there, I saw him live in 2004 and he'd fallen over and broken his hip and um, been into hospital, which is a theme that will go from here into our, all the rest of the albums. It's sort of. Uh, life, death, the underworld, where he's sort of contemplating his own mortality, to my mind anyway. Um, I probably might upset some people when they hear that. But, uh, yeah, I mean, this, uh, uh, and they weren't that great when I saw them in 2004. John Cooper Clark was supporting act, and he was wonderful. First time I'd ever seen him, and that was before he'd done his name. Um, but I think from here, then on, the band just seemed to get better and better and better. I mean, they were solid, they were tight. There was this... Uh, a gig I saw, I can't remember. It was that. It was this gig I saw a DVD. I think it was in Reading. I think it was, and they were solid. It was like um, it was like the last band actually, and because they were just like powerhousing through all songs. I mean, blimey. I mean, stuff like um, uh, I keep on forgetting. It's called the actual album, Bodemic, and um, mm-hmm. you wanna. I mean, you wanna bloody hell. I mean, wow, that's one that just knocks. The socks off it, the is pure, it is pure fall, isn't it? Like Yuana is basically, oh, this is this could easily fit on any of the eighties fall albums. Uh, you, you hear it, and there's no experimentation with this. This is pure, pure, pure fall. That's um, what's good about it is that they they find they're not afraid to sound like the fall again. I think that's why why I really like this era is that they sound like the fall again. Yeah, no, no, totally. I mean, we'll come back to the idea uh, of the band 
sounding tight and good because obviously a good tight band is going to stay around forever, right? Um, Mike, you were back into the fall at this point. You'd rediscovered your love for them? Again, I, this is an album I've, I discovered after uh, Your Future, Our Clutter. Um, I'll keep this short, but Aaron's bang on. This is a banging album. But for me, this was like the fall and discovered how to turn guitar amps up again and properly crank songs out. So loud, you know, stuff like pacifying joint, just it's the guitar playing is so simplistic, but so effective. A magnificent album right through. Well, that sounds like it's almost a, a perfect time to go on to. I mean, one thing I've noticed um, over the past few weeks of listening to The Fall and reading about The Fall, it's also the first few weeks I've ever in my life thought, maybe I should look at cryptocurrency. People are making money on this. And I've been looking at the charts of cryptocurrency and how well it does, and it goes up, and then it plummets back down, and it comes up, and it plummets back down. And the fall's career for me just seems to be this, this Bitcoin chart of highs <laughs> and lows. And just when you think it's going to go up, suddenly there's a massive crash, and people wake up in tears. Um, apologies for, for my next line, but um, we're not going to go chasing waterfalls with Reformation post-TLC. I know, I know. <laughs> <laughs> you think that was bad? Oh, I've got some more later. Um, Excellent. <laughs> so, obviously, there's a band. And the band hasn't quit during the tour for a while. Surely that can't go on. Um, Aaron, you did. Aaron, this is one of yours. Um, what happened? Um, to make a long story short, I think everyone was getting pissed off at Mark. Mark was drinking a lot. He was getting disgruntled and... Um, Essentially, he, he pissed off the tour manager. Um, they found this tour manager, and they the, the label asked, hey, do you want to be tour manager for Fall? And the guy was like, I've heard it's hard, but how hard could it be to be the tour manager for Fall? Oh, little did he know. Mark was, <laughs> Mark was walking off stage mid-show. Um, he was apparently getting drunk three times a day. He would get drunk, sober up, get drunk, sober up. Um, he tried to kill the bassist with a corkscrew um he tried to light the the tour manager also the driver for the van he tried to light him on fire um just it was just it was just terrible and and the tour manager told everyone but mark and eleni that when we get the phoenix i'm leaving and i'm taking the van with me fuck all you guys or not fuck all you guys but fuck mark and the rest of the band's like well, I don't want to stick with this either. And so they just said, after the end of the show, we're going to leave and we're not going to be with them. At the end of the show, they just left. They didn't even tell Mark they were leaving. They're just like, we're done. <laughs> Take me with you. I can see perfectly. Um, Nick, what's, go what's gone wrong? I mean, he's happy. He's in a relationship. He's stable. Well, he's, he's found his mojo he's, again. He's clearly got a lot of demons that he hasn't dealt with yet, hasn't he? I mean, um, I, don't, I don't really know what was going on in his life at this point, but... Um, yeah, it sounds like he was a bit of a mess again, which was stuff we're familiar with from the late 90s for. Um, it does also seem to be a thing. We, we talked in the last few episodes about how um, almost like abusive relationships, people seem to stick with the fall despite the fact that they were being insulted or there were diss songs about them. Um, yet that loyalty of band members, at least at this moment, doesn't seem to be there, maybe because there's been such a high turnover and there aren't that many people who are there from the beginning um I've, I've written a few notes um who is this band white line fever is just odd followed by das boot can fuck right off see my opinions on can in previous episodes <laughs> fair fair I, honestly i would just say i'm, I'm bearing in mind by this point 
this was this was the end of my listening to all the discography, and I was hoping there'd be something good for me here. Um, Tansy. Okay, Reformation post TLC, um, which stands for whatever it stands for. We all know. Um, how is this album? Toyota Land Cruiser, I believe. Oh, Toyota Land Cruiser, really? Mm -hmm. I looked it up. TLC. Yeah, one of the words is liars. One of the words is traitors. One of the words isn't. Um, how is this album for you? I mean, for me, it was a bit of a shambles. I was starting to like them again, and it just went off a cliff. Yeah, I mean, TLC, Tender Loving Catastrophe, in my head. Um, well, that's the thing. I, I actually prefer the previous album to this one. It seemed like with the previous album, they were, they were, they were kind of getting momentum, and then this one, it's kind of... I don't know. I mean... To me, the only standout track on this album is is Reformation. The rest of them are a bit. Mm. I mean, I've given this album a listen to a couple of times, but yeah, I it's it doesn't really go anywhere for me. I don't know what it is. It's I don't want to say it's crap, but I think it's crap. Oh no, you Personally. can say that. And, that, and, that's, say and, that. that's, and that's coming from a, a diehard Fall fan. I yeah, I think it's. Obviously, there was something going on in his personal life, or there was something going on, but they just couldn't pull it together with this one. Do you think it could also be the fact that, I mean, because obviously the band basically quit, and he just replaced them with a bunch of young American, yeah, American musicians who right, had... Yeah. I mean, that could have worked. They came with no baggage, so they weren't coming in trying to sound like the Four, but also they came in not knowing who the Four was, and he, I imagine he was shouting at them, play like this, and they're like... All right, granddad, we're playing it like this. But that was normal. Mark Mark had said that he wants his people in his band to not know the fall. Like that was It's impossible, Aaron. It, it, the it, less you it, know it, about the fall, <laughs> the more it increases your chance of being in the fall. That's that's the paradox of the fall. But that's but this is it. Everyone before, or the majority of people before, uh, was say maybe Bricks as, uh, uh, as a, uh, an outlier. They knew who he was. It was impossible to be a musician in the nineties going through various bands, particularly at Manchester, and not know the legacy of or the music of and the shadow cast by Marky e. Smith. This was probably the first time. It was a bunch of local kids from, what was it, Phoenix, where, where, where they lost everybody? From um, Nick. Was it? Hmm? I think they were from Chicago. The band? Yeah. That explains everything. Um, Nick, how's, um, how's post-TLC for you? Um, well, that sounded that sound sleazy. Um. <laughs> I, I mean, yeah, I, I've got no real love for this album. Uh, it, so this is the point where I'd, sort of, you know, I'd come back in, suddenly my, my love of the fall was rejuvenated. And I'd always felt that uh, there's a few fall albums in the past that were growers that I didn't love straight away and I came to like. And because of that, every single new release I worked really hard at, I'd go out and buy it. And, I'd, and even if I didn't like it the first time, I'd listen and I'd listen and I'd listen. And just sometimes I'd come a point where I had to admit, it's like, you know what? Maybe I just don't like this one. I don't hate it. I mean, you know, it's it's okay, but there's just nothing nothing about it that I love. I can't I can't defend it. Um, it doesn't seem to be have many people defending it. James, you going to defend it? Sorry. <laughs> um, there's right. some great moments on it. Um, a lot um, Reformation, and particularly the video that goes with it, um, with it's absolutely fantastic. He he looks wonderful in the video. I think uh, dancing in the pub. Um, I think Das Boots, I love, I love that. It, I find it, I think it's a really, really tender love song between him and Elena. It's wonderful. It's pure. It's natural. Fantastic. I think the problem with um, 
with it is that it's the production's rubbish. I mean, something like systematic abuse should be it should be Hawkwind. It should be like the live section of um Ibis Afro Man, which is my favourite bit of all ever. But um no, it doesn't it just doesn't do anything at all. But there's some great moments on it, like scenario co- coaching horses, and they always would play my doorways never or, or when when I've seen them again on full sound. But yeah, it's just it's just a bit flat, I think. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> um, okay, so in a, in a previous pod, uh, Nick and I both mentioned how Marky Smith always seemed to be fifty to us, um, even though he was probably only twenty-seven when we first saw him, and we were like eighteen-year-old kids. Always seemed to be a fifty-year-old. Moving on to wait, how, make sure I pronounce this correct: Imperial Wax Solvente. Um, moving on to <laughs> <laughs> moving on to Imperial Wax Solvent. Mark, Mark is fifty. And yes. he's singing about being 50. Um, Aaron, what's a 50-year-old Marky e. Smith who's happy with being a 50-year-old Marky e. Smith sing about? We discovered on previous pods, he generally sings about what he's watching on TV, um, which you will find out in episodes three and four of the pod. There is a song that's basically a Flintstones plot line. Um, what's happening with Marky e. Smith at this point? Oh, well, with Marky e. Smith... Um... I, I, I just want to preface and say that I, I really like this album. I, I definitely put it in my, if not top 10, then very close to top 10. Um, but Mark's starting to lose it by this point. Um, he's not as sharp. His vocals aren't as, aren't as great. Um, but the band sounds good. He's got some good songs on here. This is not the same band, is it? He ditched the American kids and got some English kids. No, they couldn't come. And so this was the, this is the live replacement for the Americans. And they just kind of showed up in Dusseldorf to record an album because there was no one else to do it. Mm-hmm. And that they, 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 they like the instead of being like, well, fuck you, they pulled it together and like, okay, fine, we'll make this album in two weeks or whatever. However short of time they threw this thing together. Um, I think it's, I, I, I like a lot of the songs in this. I think uh, I love Can Can Summer because it sounds like Can. <laughs> Will you never let me forget that? Forget that. <laughs> uh, Tarig, I like Tarig. That's really good. Kinda I'm not sure like about Tarig. Oh, I love Tarig. I wrote Tarig is either great or terrible. I don't know yet, and I probably won't listen to it again. But maybe it's great, and maybe it's terrible. Tarig's great. There you go. Great. See, James says it's no, great. It's great. No one, no one ever agrees with me. It's fine. Um, well, Tarig, this Tarig album is an Eleni song, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> um, also, I generally, by this point, everything was starting to blend into one a little bit until. Yeah, yeah but Touring sounds unique, doesn't it? It's like oh, yeah, nothing else. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. um, when I started freelancing, I used it for my uh, first ever showreel for the Ooh. music. Totally uncredited, obviously. Um, but... Well, you didn't use Fat, Fat Boy Slims right here, right now, because I thought every freelance showreel in the, in, used to use that. <laughs> Well, you know, I mean, when I first when I first heard this this album, I, I didn't like that first fifty year old man. It just seemed, um, I don't know, it seemed a bit obvious and lazy, you it's know. Not, like, yeah, but it grew on me over time, you know. But this, but it's symptomatic of the kind of lyrics he was writing by this time, which was sometimes just I don't know. They just seemed obvious, which he'd never been in the past. He was always interesting and oblique, and later on, it was just you know, yeah, just him shouting. <laughs> it was just nonsense. <laughs> Some but, might say he's been doing that for a while. Um, well, a bit of but there's some, there's, I mean, I really like I've Been Duped, the one that Eleni sings. Uh, and I saw them do that live. They were actually headlining a festival in Bristol. Uh, so, you know, it, was a, it wasn't even an audience of full fans. So it was great when it, Marky Smith 
just walked off stage, left the band. And then uh, Eleni saying, I've been, we, I've been duped. It just felt perfect. At least it did to me as a fall fan on the front row. I don't know what the people standing behind me thought. All these families, so, you know, nice family festival. Um, did he walk off or as we've established on previous episodes, did he just go and get the rest of the money? Well, quite possible. I've got no idea what he did when he went off until I heard Fliss's stories in episode two, I think. Um, but also I love Senior Twilight Stock Replacer. That's a great, great tune. This one, this album charted, didn't it? I mean, this was when the, this actually got a bit, it charted in the UK album charts higher than their previous ones had for for, for, for a while. Yeah, well, that's it. There's a bit of a momentum behind those at this point, you know. Um, Mike, this was the album just before you came back in. I've got it right this time. Um, when you've gone back and, and listened to this, particularly after Reformation post TLC, um, is this moving back? Is this is it swinging back upwards for you? With hindsight, yes. When I uh, uh, played it, I heard this after listening to Your Future Art Clutter and wasn't that impressed with it. But now I've listened to it again over the last couple of weeks. I mean, you can hear the formation of what was to come over the next run of albums, uh, particularly with 50-Year-Old Man and uh, Wolf Kid Old Man. You know, just this basic riff repeated for three to four minutes, which you know it had always been the case with the four, but it became more so with this lineup. Uh, I think that the songs aren't as strong as what came afterwards, but you know, bearing this is with three young lads all brought into the band and uh, recording an album in very short time. I think it's a phenomenal album. The song, as I say, the songs aren't as strong, but it shows the chrysalis of what was going to happen. I think. I. Th- think that is a perfect place to end this episode um so that we can leave the listener hanging yes you listener hanging as to what this chrysalis is going to lead to um, will it be a hungry caterpillar or will it be a, i don't know what i'm talking about a butterfly anyway your bitcoin um, analogy was much better you yeah <laughs> was wasn't it i should have thought of that beforehand anyway it's been a long day um we will be returning uh, in episode six, I'd like to pretend we're recording it on a different day, but episodes three, four, five, and six were all recorded on a Sunday. So if my brain goes in a bit, that's why. Um, thank you very much for this episode, Mike. Thank you very much, Mike. You're welcome. Uh, thank you very much, James. Tansy, thank you very much. No worries. Aaron, great to have you back. Pleasure's all mine. Nick. Cheers. nearly there you can't stop now join us again next week for the final episode of our six-part journey through the fall we'll be joined again by the same guests to whom i want to extend our thanks they were james kennedy aaron t white mike plowman and tansy mcnally of the blue orchids thank you also to my industrious co-host ewan not just for his work chairing the discussions but for splicing it all together afterwards and thank you to jonathan fisher for gifting us our awesome theme tune Links to his work and details of the artist behind other music used on the show can all be found in the show notes. I can't emphasize enough how important reviews are to helping us keep doing this show. So if you've enjoyed it, please say a word or two about it online, particularly on Apple Podcasts. I hate asking, but I want us to be able to keep doing the show, which is so far completely devoid of any kind of sponsorship. That might change, but if it does, we'll try and keep it discreet. I'm sure you understand. You do understand, right? Of course you do. I'm Nick Hilditch, and riddle me this. 
Who are you?